name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Just want to say thank you to all of you that uh, gave us beautiful letters of encouragement uh, and gifts for our beautiful 50th wedding anniversary. It's a blessing to go away a little bit and to uh, reminisce about all the beautiful times that we have had together, uh, most especially with you all in this community. So it's a real blessing for my wife and I, Jan. So thanks be to God and thanks be to you. Today, um, we begin uh, the Lenten Triodium, which is the beginning of the uh, pre-Lenten season. It actually starts a week before this. Uh, the church's wisdom is such that we, we, he, the church knows that we cannot just step into Lent. We're just not ready. We need to be readied for this, kind of like pre-season you know, the preseason, spring training. This is, we're in spring training now for Lent. And uh, there are five weeks to precede it. Uh, the first week was last week, and it was Zacchaeus. The theme is desire. Do I desire God? Do I desire his kingdom? Is it first? Is that the top of my list? So that's our first investigation as we journey toward uh, our Lenten experience this year. Today is the fourth Sunday before Lent, and it's the publican and the Pharisee. And the theme is humility. Am I humble? Or do I, am I filled with myself? Okay, we'll talk a little bit about that. The third week is the, public, is the, uh, is the prodigal son. It's about repentance and returning, not just about being sorry for what we did, but actually making amends, making an effort to do better, making an effort to come back to God. And we'll see that next week. And then the uh, second Sunday is the last judgment, where we're reminded that there will be a come a day where we'll stand before the throne of God and answer for everything we've done, everything we thought, everything we said. We'll have to make an answer for these things. You know what your answer is? Lord, have mercy. <laughs> so get used to it. You say it enough here, you say it because there's a good reason. Lord, have mercy. I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy. And the theme really is love. Did I, re did I accept or reject the love of God? So when I accept the love of God, I live according to his love, according to his life. If I reject the love of God, then I'm living in a different way. And then the last Sunday before Lent is Forgiveness Sunday, uh, better known as Cheese Fair. The one before, that's Meat Fair. We kind of skip over that meat to, uh, to enjoy the last morsel of beef and chicken uh, before we kind of step in. But the last Sunday, cheese fair, the last week of, we don't have any, no meat, but we have uh, our dairy products. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story about that. John and Nadine de Bruin, uh, very beautiful. Nadine grew up in a Russian family. And on cheese fair, the last time you can eat cheese, you get an, an eggs, they bring everything out that's in the refrigerator, all the cheese, and they put it all up and they put it between pancakes. So you put a pancake down and you put cheese on it. Put a pancake down, put eggs on it. And then you feast. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't go to the doctor to get my cholesterol counted after that. 
until Jesus. But the theme of that day is forgiveness. Am, have I forgiven everyone? Am I at peace to the best of my ability with everyone? So those are the five Sundays that precede Lent. So we're ready. Are we ready? So today we investigate humility. And the beautiful uh, parable of the publican and the Pharisee. And the main point today is we could do nothing good without the grace of God. In fact, there's, a, there's a, I think, a pretty popular movie out that says, The Force Be With You. Isn't there a movie out that says, like, The Force Be With You? I'm going to say, The Grace of God Be With You. It's more powerful than the Force. The Grace of God Be With You. It overcomes everything. The Grace of God Be With You. So we look at this beautiful parable of the Pharisee and the publican, and... Uh, St. Paul is very interesting because he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? But he became a publican. So it's almost like he became the, no, I'm a sinner. Okay? I can't earn my way to heaven. Only by the grace of God do I get there. And he, he writes in uh, Galatians, in Galatia there were attempts by the Judaizers to encourage the Christian people to abandon grace and find their salvation in works. And St. Paul's words to him was, don't abandon the grace of God, because it is your salvation. In Ephesians, he says to us, by grace you have been saved. Then he goes on to say, "For but created in Christ for good works. So I'm going to submit to you this that you need the grace of God to be saved. Absolutely, okay? And we, we all know that we're encouraged to do good. Correct? Am I right so far? Okay. We need the grace to be saved for the good works. So how does this work? I think grace first, works second. Because you all know this, that if you make an effort without the grace of God to do good, it will last Maybe maybe a day. Maybe a half a day. Okay. Be careful of this. But we understand very importantly that grace first works second. We turn to God first and then we do the work second. Because when we get stuck in that place where we are working and working and working without the grace of God, we will run into frustration. And even when we find, to, we find something really good to do and we become enthusiastic about it, without the grace of God, it will disappear. So, grace first, work second. Turn in, then work. Okay, so we need to be close to God to do that which is good to us. And St. Paul tells us this. He says, no longer is, is, is it I, but it's Christ in me. He gets it, see? He's telling us. It's, it has to be Christ in me first. Then I can do the good. But if it's me doing the good without the grace, that is no good. 
Okay. So let us look at this beautiful parable. The public, the Pharisee is a great example of this very thing, about working without the grace of God. In fact, there's a very interesting line. He says, he prayed with himself. <laughs> he prayed with himself. Have you ever prayed with yourself? Yes, you have, because I have too, right? You get up and pray. Hey, I'm praying. I'm praying. I did my prayers. Were you with God? Did you draw near to Christ? Prayer is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. He was using prayer as an end, right? I did my prayers. I prayed with myself. And then he brags about his tithes and his good works. And then he condemns the publican as an extortioner, an adulterer. Okay, so we see here that pride raises up and destroys even a good thing. Those weren't bad things. Praying, tithing, doing good were all good. But it was all about him, right? It's all about himself. So those things aren't bad. It's, it's, it's for what end were they done? For his own end. For my own end. And then we see the beauty of the publican, who we should see in us the sadness of his sins. Are you sad for your sins? Yes, yes. I'm not proud of that. I don't come in boasting that I'm a, I'm boasting that I'm a sinner. <laughs> see, that's kind of the bad side of that confession. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. No, I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me. It's humility. It's not those very words that I'm a sinner. It's the humility by which those words are expressed. Lord, forgive me, a sinner. I don't want to do this anymore. don't want to say those things or think those things. don't want to do this. Forgive me, God. Have mercy on me. So we see this beauty here, um, how important it is to find ourselves in this place of humility that we can receive then the grace of God. So the Pharisee ignored the grace and the, and the sinner accepted the grace. So for us today, beloved, how is this work for us personally? It's so, so critically important to know that the grace of God, which is his divine energy that you receive at baptism, and then it comes to every, every good work is done somehow by the grace of God. And that, that, that divine energy, that force, the grace of God be with you, that force is in you to allow you and help you to do good. So you have to touch it. You have to contact it. That's why you pray. That's why you fast. That's why you give alms, because it allows you to, uh, to, be, to be in touch with the grace so you can do good. And sometimes you have to fight for it. Sometimes you, does anybody ever have any trouble just praying and feeling like you're just saying the words? Raise your hand. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. 
because everybody works at this. It's very difficult to do. But you have to work through that. What are you looking for when you're doing that? The grace. The grace. And I believe the grace comes even, and most especially in those times. I think God gives you an immense amount of grace when you have to fight to pay attention. Fight for it. It's, it's not a bad place to be, to be in a place of dry prayer. That's the desert. It's okay to be in the desert. You're walking through the desert to do good. You have to fight a little bit to find the grace. But that grace is, that's, the grace is what allows us to do good things. So we have to understand the importance of being uh, with God. You know, there was a, remember, I don't know, they may still have it still. There was a bracelet that said, uh, what was it? Uh, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? I'm going to change that. It's a good thing. It's a good thing because Jesus is a great example. I'm going to say what is Jesus doing? What's he doing? What's his grace telling you to do? Not some example, but God is active in you. God is touching you. God is directing you. It's very important to understand that this is how we are to live the Christian life. So we turn to God, we turn inward to God, and we find that grace, and then we act. So that grace becomes our kind of our go-to place, right? Our go-to place. So how does that affect us in our actions? We turn to God first. I remember I was telling a, a, a person was telling me a story about a, an offense they 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 uh, had uh, toward a, a, another person, and they could never get to the point in this offense to where they could find a face-to-face -face reconciliation. And so this person prayed, Lord, bring about some opportunity for this to take place. And the story goes that I don't remember, if you remember, years ago at Las Positas turnoff on the freeway, there wasn't a stoplight there. You had to stop and wait for somebody to wait for you to go. And that overpass was always crowded. When you came up to that side, it was like you could be there 10 minutes, right, waiting to cross. So this person decided that as he was approaching this, uh, the thing, he was going to stop and let a car go by. He stops, and guess who turns? The person he couldn't reconcile with, and they made eye contact. The grace of God. The prayer, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to reconcile. Guess what God's going to do? He's going to give you an opportunity. It's going to happen. So my encouragement is that grace first. We turn to grace. God, help me. Help me, help me do that which is right and good. What about our words when we talk about the grace of God? Um, you know, the older I get... Uh, I find it more productive in my life to say less. Except at homilies. 
<laughs> we need to touch God before we speak, before we text, before we post on Facebook. We need to touch God first. Then ask the question, what should I say? How should I say it? Should I say it at all? So what's your, what's your go-to place first? God. First, not second, not, oh, no, I shouldn't have pushed send. No, God first. God first. Then speak. Then text. Then Facebook. Or whatever the Snapchat or whatever that stuff is now. Tweet. We need to send that memo to our beloved president. Touch God first. Then tweet. Mercy. Think about it. How many times would you how many times would you rethink or re-say what you said? How many times would you not say it if you touch God first? It should be a, a, a very uh, disciplined practice for us. God first, then the words come out, right? When I used to play, I played, I play, still play basketball. But I, I, uh, I have to take a vow of silence when I play. Because <laughs> the words just spit out of there. So I just zip it. Zip it. What about our thoughts? God first, right? Put your thought next to Christ. St. Paul tells us we're supposed to bring every thought into obedience the obedience to Christ. So we take Christ and put it right next to our thought and say, is this a healthy thought? Should I travel down this pathway? Christ first. Am I thinking the right stuff? Or do I need to jump away from that? Or do the Jesus prayer? Sometimes we just have to, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, mercy on me, a sinner, and get the thought out of there. Sometimes we have to jump to another thought. So beloved, the grace of God be with you. Not the force be with you, because the force is very, very minimal. Has very little power com uh, compared to the grace of God. So may the grace of God be with you and turn to it. Live by it. Live in it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.